All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis and DJ Neko with you with the new edition of the Hordes of Chaos and the Melatonin Radio Podcast. Another week, another gone week, I guess. Doing our work thing, sort of. Yeah, I mean. I tried to work the other day, it didn't work up as planned. Yeah, it's kind of funny how your job works sometimes, you know, like. You uh, are so busy while it was the holidays, and then it's kind of slowed down now. I bet you it's going to start picking back up. You've got Valentine's Day coming. You've well, got... we've already seen, like, the... Next week it's going to be really busy. The packages itself have gone up a lot, so that's good. January's really slow for um, any type of online it's retailer. It's busy returning, kind of like uh-huh. good girls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're all come. busy. <laughs> um few different topics to get to today. I uh, definitely got some new music coming your way. Got some new Sepultura coming mm. soon. Uh, Scorn, Critical Sodom, uh, a bunch of stuff that some of the label friends of mine have sent me. So I've got a lot of that going on, especially in the rock block, uh, as well as DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. going gonna, gonna to be one that... Uh... It won't shock you at all. <laughs> Trust me. It won't. Got some new guy dethroned, Skogmart. Mm. Mm. Funeral Cult, and much, Holy much more. Holy crap, it's like a, this is like a jam-packed show. It always is. <laughs> it's what we do. It's what we do it's here. what we do. So we opened up today with Automize. It's a cover of Typo Negative's Love You to Death. I actually really liked it. Um, I was commenting to DJ Anubis, you know, it was like an homage to uh, Typo instead of a direct copy. It, it, it sounded like Love, Love You to Death, but... The guy's voice, he sounded like himself with like a little hint of the typo in him, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like a direct ripoff, and I, I, lo- I love covers. Well, that track actually comes from a recent, um, I think it was released in the last couple of years. It's a tribute to Peter Steele, so there was a bunch of bands doing oh, typo. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but that's like one of my favorite tracks uh, from Typo, and then it was, of course, probably my favorite from the, the cover is Tribute, so... 
I thought that was a need to play that because I liked it a lot. That was great. I, I enjoyed it. So last weekend was a pretty big weekend for us. We uh. Well, that's the thing. When you go out of town and you get back, it's when we do all our shit. You know, so we hang out, go to concerts, you know, do things together. That's the whole plan because we know. We don't know, know how long I'm even going to be here. Well, sometimes, right. yeah, sometimes, like, I, I Two have. Two or three months to six months, it's crazy. Well, I have to stay here at least until February 24th because I have another vaccination I have to get. Um, so that's fine. But. So she doesn't get the coronavirus. Not the coronavirus, so I don't get measles. I, I, I mean, I got it when I, I got the measles <clears throat> vaccination when I was a kid, but apparently you need to get a booster. Um, so I have to get my booster before I go back out. But I need a booster seat. I do. They look at me. <laughs> but it's crazy. Like there was a, we have a, a depot in Samoa, and there was a huge measles outbreak in Samoa, and we go there quite a bit, you know, to pick up things. And and they said you cannot get back on a ship until you get your your measles booster. So I, I got to wait to do that. And but like Anubis was saying, like. We never know when I, I mean, sometimes it'll be Friday and my boss is like, can you leave on Monday? That's probably the only frustrating part is that it's a great job. You have a lot of fun doing it. But then like when it comes time to leave, like there's just never any, or even come back, there's never like any guaranteed Mm-mm. set time. It always varies. Initially, we were guessing when I left on the 28th of October, we were thinking sometime either right before Christmas or right after Christmas because there was something on the schedule that I had I didn't have the proper visa for, so I would have to get off the ship anyway. Turns out I didn't leave until what the 15th of January? Yeah, so it was like an extra almost month longer. I ended up being out 75 days, which is fine. It was a great ship. But you, you know, we were toying around with maybe going on 70,000 tons of metal, and that... I'm- oh, yeah, we also... There was... I was kind of hoping, I was thinking about today, that a few, before she got back, that there was a slight chance we might have been able to fly out to Portland as the oxygen destroyer, but, uh, you know, things, it just doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately, and that's when something, is that? I think it's already passed, or very close to coming up, but she won't be here, but, uh, but and those are the with, kind of things that we always contemplate doing. And then with, he's going to see Devin Townsend, mm-hmm. I may not be home, so, like, I, um, uh, I'm very lucky, though, my bosses, when I say I need time off, they make sure that I'm off the ship and home in time, so... But that's the thing, is when she is in town, we try to go to gigs here and there, and, you know, try to... She wasn't here for the Nomos interview. Which made me sad. Yeah, because she would have really enjoyed it, but... And this is just... It's not totally set in stone, but in a couple weeks, we're hoping to interview Mr. Blake Harrison from Pig Destroyer and Zealot R.I.P., so... Hopefully that goes as planned. I've been waiting a while to do that. Uh, we did see Blake at the Nomad show in D.C. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. We go to see bands we know, like, and then, of course, there's a lot of friends there. I've gotten to know Blake over the last few years, and he's a very cool dude. Same with uh, Lindsay, his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, people in general that we meet through all these bands and gigs and whatnot. So... Uh, very cool dude, very humble. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him when I see him. So, 
hopefully that uh, comes through. But the the show itself uh, was like a really big, big deal it, it in a lot of ways. It sold out. It sold out, but you had like Bandit was the headliner. You had a band called Ground, Nomos, um, MSD, and Needle. And this was at the Pie Shop in DC. Downstairs is Dangerously Delicious Pies. They have sweet and savory pies. I had three pies that night. Not whole, but like slices of pie. Two savory, one sweet. Upstairs is the coolest bar. They have a whole patio. They have a stage. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it was kind of wet and rainy. And everybody was the still time outside. Of year, but I can imagine that, like in the warmer months, being like a really fucking cool place to be. And they had your beer. Oh yeah, I'm drinking my uh, West of Honor right now. And man, when I saw they actually had this there in that bar, I don't think I've seen anything around here that has it like that in stock. So. Uh, very happy about that. And, of course, Missy or Neko was basically, uh, ease up, Tiger. We got business later, you know? So, but I still got it fucked up anyway. But yeah. It's one of the few times I get to cut loose. I didn't have to drive. We, we got a hotel We got a hotel, there. and we just Ubered, and, you know, we had a good night. Yeah, it was fun. A lot of fun. So, speaking of which, um... A band that I wasn't too familiar with, but I got to meet one of the members. I believe he's a guitarist, and he might be just... I don't think he's a singer. He might be, but no, he's just a guitarist. Uh, for MSD, which I didn't really even knew, know what the initial stand for until I looked at the <laughs> and checked out their music. Uh, it's Millennial Snowflakes of Death, so I thought that was like the greatest fucking name ever. Uh, so they have an EP out, demo EP, and uh, we're going to play a track off of that. It's called Hell Planet. Enjoy. We'll be back in a few. I got some new step tour in this block as well. Uh, all
right, All right. We're, back. we're back. So, one thing I wanted to kind of get to before we jump into the other topic was I'd forgotten about uh, Frankie getting up on the rafters. Oh my god, that picture. Yeah. But, like, remember when we were getting ready to go up? Because the, the venue itself, as far as the music, was upstairs. So, they posted this little sign that said, absolutely no crowd surfing allowed. Yeah, we're like... <laughs> or you'll be thrown out. Yeah, throw us out. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone really paid attention to that. Namely, frankly, Frankie, who was a friend of ours through Whitney and them uh, from Virginia. And... Uh, the, the ceilings are kind of low up there, so... Yeah, it was. I'm sitting there watching the gig with Nomos, and Frankie's jumping up on the... On the hanging on the rafter there, and, like, I, for me, I thought the whole cords were all going to come down and whatnot. I, I thought that was a little bit uh, shady there, but... Uh, well, you know, what happens when a bunch of metalheads get drunk? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and trust me, a lot of them were... Uh, but, yeah, the pits were crazy, and, of course, you had people trying to do the crowd surfing, which, you know, too... It just really wasn't enough room. That's probably why they say don't crowd surf. You'll kill yourself. Well, they don't want any lawsuits either. Yeah, sorry, well. But... <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but uh, it was funny watching Frankie do that. I mean, he, he came close to, like, getting him booted, but I guess he worked it out with security uh, after the fact, and all's good. All right. So one of the topics you want to talk about was, which something that we probably should have talked about a long time ago, is uh, digital media versus physical media in the music world. It's so interesting because I feel like this is going to make me sound, I don't know. Dated? Dated and also kind of like a little spoiled because I grew up where I had an analog childhood and a digital adult hood that I'm still living. So I was born in 1980. There were cassettes, vinyl, CDs just were coming out, not really like the mainstream thing. And, you know, I, I see my niece who is nine. She has a cell phone. She's got an iPhone. I, I you know what I had when I was nine? A Barbie. I, I didn't have all of these things, but it's just very typical now that all of your entertainment is in the palm of your hands in your iPhone or your Android or whatever, you know, device that you use. You could have an iPad, whatever. We have gotten so used to everything being available to us immediately through the cloud or through the internet or through our phone. And it's crazy because, you know, when I started driving, you know, CDs were the shit, and people were buying CDs hand over fist, we had these giant binders that we would fill CDs up and, you know, pop them in our CD player if you were lucky enough to have a CD player. They don't even put CD players in cars anymore because everything is Bluetooth. Right, right. Yeah. So, I, it's just, it's fascinating to me to see the difference of how people are consuming media. But, on the flip side, I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's, you know, because for you and I, it is nostalgia. We owned records and either just sold them, got rid of them, you know, through moves. We just, because I kind of was on the bandwagon before, like, oh, my mom gave me all of her records from the 70s. And I'm like, eh, 
I have all this on CD. I really don't need it. <laughs> so I gave it to a friend of mine who was a DJ. Like, I'm like, oh, he could definitely use it because he spins records. So he definitely wants the, the vinyl. Whereas now I'm a little bit older and I'm kind of like, wow, I, you know, I miss, I miss having records. And we started and it kind of for me, cause I love thrift stores and it's been a quite a long time now that maybe about 10 years or so we we found some of our old records just kind of that were in storage um that i would see at thrift stores here and there a cool record and i'd pick it up and then now you're starting to see bands releasing stuff on records releasing stuff on tapes and i i know it's mostly the metal scene but it's really starting, you know, we go to record stores and we see all types of bands releasing their albums on record, maybe not and even... Cassette. And cassette. And then you can still, you know, stream it on Spotify or order... Well, now it's becoming, like, like when I buy a record from a band, doesn't matter what genre, rock, or metal, they offer free codes for their digital For their stuff. digital download, right, yeah. so... That's the added bonus that, you know, because really, for me, it's more convenient for me to have digital media because of my driving and everything else. Uh, growing up in the 80s and the late 80s when I was a teen, you know, obviously. You had your cassette player. Yeah, cassette players, and then as the 90s came along, I turned to CD, well, CDs, and then many CDs for a short while with uh, my friend Chris. And, you know, and then, of course, you had the CD changer in the back. Mm. I mean, it just, it got so elaborate after a while. But once the MP3 reared, reared its head, like, I was like, oh, this is, this is new. And this is good. And then you got the iPods and the iPhones and, you know, everything else. So, but it is interesting that over the years like we find ourselves coming back to vinyl and cassettes and i think that's really kind of cool because i as i see like these you know newer bands uh putting their stuff out on cassettes i'm like well this is rad like it's it's just we have a nice little stereo system it's got a mix of the analog and the digital it is bluetooth so you could connect your phone and play music we have a tape player and we have a record player. And even though I haven't like played with it, it can actually record from. Oh, that's right! It can to record MP3 to MP3 from right. records. Right. So it's it's pretty wild. But the interesting thing, in 2019, consumers bought 224 million worth of vinyl records. That's the sales for vinyl records. The first time since 1986 that vinyl has outsold CDs. That's crazy. It's really crazy. The week ending in December 26th alone, right before Christmas, it says vinyl albums reached 1.243 million in one week for all those Christmas presents. And we know people who gave vinyl and received vinyl for Christmas. Uh, my uncle, for instance, he's gotten back into collecting vinyl. I gave him his first vinyl that that uh, 2112 Rush. Rush album that I found in one of the thrift stores a couple years ago, and then yeah. he started building because he he sold all of his records too years ago. Like, oh, I'm never gonna listen to them ever well, that's again. That's the thing. People think that once technology is surpassed, they're like, well, why do I still need it now? For the rest of us, 
even for the diehards, like, you know, like you and I, we've just recently gone back to a lot of this, but people have been still involved with vinyl and cassette for years. Mm -hmm. That's why we have, like, groups on Facebook dedicated to those those types of uh, media sources. So there's even stuff out there for 8-track uh, still. And, I, you know, I don't know how anyone's going to play that, but... Hey, there are 8-track players out there. You just got to find them. Yeah, and they're not cheap. Like, I looked for a cassette player for our car because I thought that'd be just That would bad. be so rad. But it's, like, crazy. I mean, because we wanted a cassette player, but we also, again, wanted it to be Bluetooth because you'd have to get, like... Well, you want everything to be able to do everything. And then there's some really nice systems out there that are just way too expensive. And we found one that was reasonable and does the job that we want. And we were redecorating the living room a couple weeks ago, and we were playing. So that's... that's that was so much fun. I That's what I like to do when I'm working around the house or something. Put on an album. Now, I know today people pop on Pandora or Spotify or whatever, and they'll play it, say, like, oh, play Led Zeppelin Radio. That's fine. Nothing is like pulling out Led Zeppelin 2 and putting it on the record player and letting it play the whole thing through, flipping it over and playing the whole thing through. And I think a lot of um, people today miss out on that record experience. You know, a lot of... King Diamond is a great example. Devin Townsend is another example. They build their albums as an experience or a story. And every song kind of connects into another song. So if you're only consuming bits and pieces, you kind of miss the whole point of their album. And that's fine. You're still listening to it. But just grabbing an entire album, putting it on, not skipping or fast forwarding, it, it just doesn't get done as much as it used to. Now, granted, vinyl was only 6% of the total like music media that was sold throughout the year streaming services were 63% of like industry revenues so that's your pandoras your spotify's your whatever service that you sign up for that's how people consume media now a caveat to that is my job when we're out of cloud range <laughs> I mean, what am I? I can't stream anything. Right. So, granted, we have converted everything to MP3s and MP4s so I can watch stuff on my computer and listen to stuff on my computer, but, like, it's, it's as if people don't buy albums or even think about buying albums anymore because they can just turn on Pandora and ask them to play Taylor Swift or, you know... Motley Crue, whatever they're listening to. And it just... I kind of like that people are getting back into the physical... Me I mean, it's it's a beautiful... You open up the jacket. It has the cover Well, that's art. the thing for me now is, like, you know, I started out in the late 90s or early 90s, like, collecting CDs and cassettes. I was doing both for a while, and then I got a bunch of shit stolen, so I stuck just with the CD format, except for certain bands. Uh... But now that I can be a little more choosy when I hear a record online, um, I just stick to stuff that I really like. If I really like a band or really like an album, then I'll buy that album on either vinyl or cassette. I've actually avoided sort of going back to CDs because 
I just I, I just appreciate it more when it's on vinyl or cassette at this stage, and I still have it on MP3, so it doesn't matter if I have it on CD or not because I end up just ripping it anyway. So yeah, it, it's a lot of fun now, and that, when we go to concerts, and, yeah, we're like, do you have your album on cassette or right. a record? Right. All right. But I'm also oh, I'll, I'll finish it off and then we'll move on. I'm also hoping that this kind of brings back or keeps the local record shop strong. We've seen we had one of our favorite record shops, you know, they've been gone for several years now, but we have a couple that we go to and we're hoping that because people are actually spending money on physical media, people actually are going to visit the store and get the experience of of sampling and looking at vinyl and then yeah i think right now like the stores that we've kind of gone to both you know whether it's a goodwill or actual music stores the only drawbacks are it's a lot of sifting through like that no yeah especially at, at the goodwill or the salvation army for me if you're a smart person who's dealing with that type of media um you might want to consider trying to make sure you're doing it in an order that's easier for people to navigate because while the one place we went to in uh, Glen Brain was pretty good, or Pasadena... It was so crammed. Yeah, it just had so much stuff in there, because he also sells, like, memorabilia and uh, stereo equipment and stuff like that. It's almost like a pawn shop, but not a pawn but, shop. But, yeah, it's, like, vintage things, but he focused on records, and he did keep them in crates and Some stuff. Some of them, yeah. And the tapes, you know, were on the wall, but... It, like, I literally, it would take me... To really enjoy that place would take me like a week to get through it all just to find because they had just all sorts of. We shit. should go back. We, I mean, it's what it was when I was October before you left. Yeah, it was October that the last time that we went. So should we? We should definitely go back. Yarg. Let's do it. All right. So the next block got some new stuff from Malectatus. Malectus. Excuse me. Malicious. No, it's not malicious. Oh, I'm, I'm looking I'm at malicious. the wrong. I'm looking at the next one. I'm <laughs> uh, scorn, but we're gonna kick it off from uh, some bioaggression, uh, courtesy of Mike Giuliano and Horror Pain Gore Death Records. Mm, I like that name, bioaggression. Y'all. <laughs>
DJ News and DJ Neko back with you in Podcast. So, a few months back, uh, when you were still out, yep. I was talking about this show that I watched on Amazon Prime called The Boys. Didn't know what I expect from it initially when I first heard about it and was checking it out, but immediately got hooked and then... More recently, when you got back, you got a chance to check it all out. I did. I did. And I really... You know how I am. I, I'm, like, the nerdiest person on the face of the earth. Like, I don't... I, I'm just so freaking nerdy, you know. Good grades, comic books, all that bullshit. Yeah, she doesn't like fantasy, but she likes superheroes. Yeah, I don't like wizards and dragons. <laughs> I don't like Lord of the Rings. Dragons. The only dragon shit that I ever liked was... Um, that one with Christian Bale, your boyfriend. Yeah, uh, Reign of Fire. Yes. Fire. And Pete's dragon. Did you ever see Dragon Slayer? I don't know. Oh, it's beautiful. Gotta get you to watch that I'll sometime. try that. Yeah, well, it's from like the 80s, so it's grand. See, with me, I'm like... I, I didn't know much about it, but I heard other people talking about it, and I'm all game when it comes to superheroes and things of that nature, so I'm like... Let's give it a shot. And I told him to check it out because we don't always keep our Amazon Prime um, subscription active. But the, and we usually only do it for like Christmas and then we turn it off. But since I've been home, 
I needed to catch up on some of the original programming, one of them being The Boys, one of them being The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and there's another one that uh, has John Slatterly in it, uh, my guy from Mad Men, that I need to, to catch too. So we're keeping it active for a little while longer, um, mainly just so we can catch up on that stuff. And for me, The Boys, when I heard the premise, you know, yeah, superheroes are not really, you know, it's sort of super. They're they're you're, not you're right. goody two shoes. Well, the funny thing is, you know, when I three different levels, like when you think of like Batman or Superman, then you then you have something like The Watchmen, where you had people that were heroes, but they were more like vigilantes. And now, in The Boys, they are idolized as heroes, obviously, and you've got. Like the the seven are basically it's like the Justice League, right? It's but it's all it's backed by an actual court. It's all about making money, right? Like it, it, it's becoming a a commodity uh, for regular humans, and but you, you find out some different things as the series goes along to how things come about and why they're there, and but some of these heroes are just downright dicks. <laughs> like it's. It's really like Homelander, man. He is like insanely crazy. Uh, but the guy that plays him, um, and Ant- Anthony Starr, I guess is his name mm-hmm. is, uh, does a wonderful job. Like I, I think. think everybody well acted this. They all played their parts so well. Like well, you got a favorite of mine, Carl Urban, in there. I've always liked him from Pathfinder and The Born uh, Supremacy, uh, Star Trek, of course. He plays McCoy. So here you have him in this as well as a guy who basically lost his wife uh, to suicide, which he thinks is because of a rape by Homelander. Now, again, I'm not really giving anything away too much because it, things are different like as far as the series when it plays out, so just keep that in mind. But he has an axe to grind, and he comes across another guy... Um, Hugh Huey Campbell, who lost his girlfriend to one of the seven uh, in a very gross way, and but, that it happens in the very first episode, right. and so anyway, it kind of kicks off how Huey intertwines himself <laughs> with the vigilantes, who is right. Carl Urban and his. It, it's definitely got some comedic side to it. Um, actually, uh, Huey's father is played by Simon Pegg, another who we spark. love. Another Star Trek veteran, of course, you know, his past history with Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. So, uh, there's definitely some good comedy mixed in with this. Um, but it is a darker version of superheroes in general. Like, you're, you're just going to find a lot of things and you're like, what the fuck did I just see? Right. You know? Uh, but it's very clever, very well done. Um, certainly worth it. Uh, the end, uh, you recently just got a chance to I finally, I, I, first, I don't know if I fell asleep, it was late one night, and I watched the last two episodes, and I could not remember, like, what? how everything wrapped up, so I rewatched this week, the last two episodes, and I'm like, what, what the, what there's, the, the, the there's two major things at the end there, and I'm just like, and this can't be like, fuck. this can't, it's a cliffhanger, and there's definitely gonna be a season two. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't can't stop it now. The train's running. <laughs> well, the A train. The A train. <laughs> I should have used that. That would have been that was a really good, clever move there. That's what I do. 
That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. So if you haven't checked it out, be sure to. Um, it's worth it. Totally worth it. All if right. you like superheroes, you like dark humor, you're going to like it. It's a, it's a whole different take on the whole superhero thing. So, like, you're getting a whole... And I think Seth Rogen is one of the directors behind it, so or producers, so that will tell you a little bit, too. He's a big fan of that stuff. All right, moving on. Brand new stuff from Critical Sodom, Infinite Madness. Check it out. Very nice.
Patrick from the Canadian Crash Metal Band Reanimator, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, we're back. DJ Nibus and DJ Neko getting ready to get into our rock block. Yup. And got a lot more stuff coming from the labels that I work with in this. Um, curtain Calls, Metal Music, Atomic Stuff, and Quabar PR. Uh, also, as well as DJ Neko's Pick of the Week a little later. Gonna kick it off with a, another uh, Inverse Records tune oh. that, you know, they just heard Chaos Crew there, so that was from Inverse as well, but we got another one. This is called Ghost Toast, Before Anything Happens. Ghost Toast.
racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You could be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
DJ Nico. DJ Nico is back with you. Metal Town Radio Podcast with a new edition of the Lords of Chaos. It's about that time for DJ Nico's Pick of the Week. Uh, actually, should be no surprise. Uh, we've talked about this particular person a few times sporadically because she has like a talk show now. And, and she, I'm obsessed since the first time I saw her. Yeah, like... I started to think that maybe she's married to the wrong person. <laughs> I love Kelly Clarkson. Love her. I think she is amazing. I think she is funny. I love her talk show. I think she is the best singer. I have seen clips of her at that rock club. Remember the one that I... And she is killing it. She can sing anything. She can sing rock. She can sing country. She can sing pop. She is beautiful. I actually copied her hair right before we got married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love her. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's, that's all it is. Is I'm obsessed with her. I'm, I, the biggest fangirl for Kelly Clarkson. I mean, a majority of her stuff would be pop oriented or uh, country. Yeah, but uh, you know, she has select tracks, and I remember <laughs> listening to some of the earlier stuff that Neca was playing for me. And this is off of her second album, right? So early two thousand. So the earlier kind of stuff did have a lot of rock edge to it. So I'm, and this is one of the tracks that I really dug. This from is her. from her second album called Breakaway. It was after like a bad breakup, and all of the songs are about. It's like Taylor Swift before it's Taylor Swift. She is Taylor Swift before <laughs> Taylor Swift. But she does her claim to fame. She's the very first American Idol winner. Mm-hmm. So that's... And that's she's personable and... She has very... Like, I don't really keep up with our talk shows anymore, but she's uh, very friendly, very fun, bubbly, much like Neko. So I, I, I see If I ever got song. to meet Kelly Clarkson, I probably would You'd just... You'd probably suffocate her to death. I wouldn't... I, I would be speechless. Like me, being speechless, I would be like... And then I'd cry and I'd hug her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is a track from, as Neko said, from her second record. Breakaway. It's called Since You've Been Gone. Since You've Been Gone. And she's got some pipes on her and this has got a little bit of a rock edge. So we're going to go ahead and play some of that now. He allowed me. He allowed me to have Kelly on here. I gave her this moment. Uh, she sang One Moment in Time, too, one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff, though. Check it out. We'll be back in a little bit. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Audio jump. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. DJ Neko's pick of the week. Here's the thing, we started out friends. 
this is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ News and DJ Neko back with you, Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Lament Cityscape from Kobar PR with that seepage. I kind of like that. Yeah. Ends our rock block for today. So, next topic at hand that I want to get to, uh, something I was thinking about the other day. Mm-hmm. For you, I know it's a little bit harder because you couldn't really think of anything that applied as far as like albums, but... Uh, I started thinking about it, though. As you were, you asked me about it earlier in the week, and I started... I, maybe I didn't pinpoint a specific album like you were talking about, but after you asked me this question, I started thinking about, like, bands and artists and how I perceive them. So, the question that noobs had for me was, is there an artist or an album that you might have initially thought was bad, but now you like it or appreciate it? Or vice versa, like, you really used to be into the band or the album, and now you're like, I'm really over it. And for me, the band that, I don't want to say I thought they were bad, but I thought they were kind of, like, trite and uh, cheesy, was Rat. The first Mm -hmm. time, I I really never heard any Rat songs, believe it or not, until I met DJ Anubis here in 2002. And I'm like, I've never heard any of these songs, and they sound very dated, and, you know, it's not White Snake, so sorry. Like, he's like, oh, this was like the 80s. And I'm like, this doesn't even... No. This is my youth. <laughs> You're ruining my youth. But honestly, the more I listen to them, I'm like, oh, they're kind of catchy. They're kind of fun. And I love Rat. We have a Rat poster right over there. So yeah. I do. I really love Rat. This last time, I remember when I was in Hong Kong and we were at the Hard Rock Cafe, and I'm like, we're sitting at the rat table! And I was like, so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) So on the flip side for me, a band that I actually used to really dig, like, my entire life, and now I'm kind of over them, is Kiss. Yeah. I'm really not part of the Kiss Army. The only song that I really love, love, love now is uh, I Was Made For Loving You, I love the disco song. Disco style. It's like... Maybe because I just am not... So you don't like like calling Dr. Love or any of that stuff anymore or as much? Not as much. I think I'm more... When did Calling Dr. Love come out? Oh, that's probably early to mid 70s yeah i think i'm more of like like i like lick it up still a little bit like the 80s 80s stuff i i'm i don't know like gene simmons has a big head he's and it just (laughs) well he thinks he invented everything Mm -hmm. so that's part of his problem so for me when i'm thinking about kiss i'm only like i try to just listen to the music and maybe there's a couple of hits that like you said, they call me Dr. Love. And then, but I'm over. I want to rock and roll on all night and party every, I'm over that. I might like Detroit Rock City. <laughs> but, like, I, it's just to me, I'm like, but you ask 19-year-old me, I'd be like, Kiss is great. Oh, my God. 
back. So as far as like your '90s vibe, like there's no like '90s band that you like really love that you were sick of now or anything like that, because that was mainly your era. I can't think of anything because, like, I listen to a lot of alternative rock, mostly, and like I guess new metal type stuff. But you know me, like I have a very visceral reaction to music. I'm like yes or no. Yeah. It hits you pretty fast. If I hate it, like... I like to let shit soak in a little bit. Yeah, you give things a chance. Like, I do not like Stained. At all. I well, I liked one song from the rest of their shit is garbage, so... I tried. So. I actually went to a concert that they were playing, and I went to the bathroom. You know? You know how long that takes when you, you go to a... took a stain. A, yeah, I took a stain. I really... There's, there's only one song I like by them, but they're so whiny, and... <laughs> I actually like Nickelback more in that concert than uh, Stained. Nickelback more than Stained. How? I mean, think about that. Nickelback was they probably, better. They probably had better songs than them anyway. They did. Remember I told you they were covering um, Elton John songs and stuff? Nickelback put on a better show than Stained. <laughs> Just think about that. Well, the reason why I brought it up is because I was thinking about it the other day, and it was actually something that goes back to Metal Mayhem, my old forum following uh the metal forums and all that but uh we at one point we had made a topic about albums that we initially hated that we won we went back and listened to them we we actually challenged each other so we were picking for each other like we'll try this we we said you know uh what album did you really dislike and now i'm going to choose that for you to go back and and re-listen and Blaze uh, actually came to me at that time and said, I know you said you didn't like Sabotage's Streets album, a rock opera. Uh, now, I liked mainly at the initially, I liked one song, Strange Reality, off of that album, but I, the rest of it I just didn't click with me. So, But he chose that record for me to go back and, and re examine, and I went and re-listened to it and I found like a, a total new appreciation for the album it was a lot more proggy than the previous stuff like Hall of the Mountain King is still like my favorite sabotage record but Streets does bring like a whole other dynamic to their, their sound and everything and so I was able to appreciate that record after going back to it and since I think really as the years have gone on and I've gotten a little more interested in prog music in general uh, no matter what, you know, if it's death or black or whatever, but now that I can appreciate uh, the sound and what the little things that the musicians are doing. and So I went back, re-examined that, and turned out to really like it. And I had a totally different... But now the other album, uh, the album that I really loved at the time it released, but I feel like now it's more or less dated and doesn't really withstand the test of time, is Veneficum's uh, The Enigma, Enigma Prognosis. So they're a symphonic, atmospheric black metal band, um, I think from Illinois. But uh, that record, uh, Psychological <coughs> Orb on Rest, was the first song that I heard and still my favorite to this day. But they had a lot of great keyboard playing in there, and they were doing a very Demi Bourgier like uh, approach to their music. And for a while there, I think even Crash would have uh, said that at the time, you know, that was one of my top records, 
during that time, early 2000s. So now when I go back and I'm re-examining my favorite records and where I placed them, uh, it's still a solid record, obviously, but I would have it way further down the list than I initially would have. What about the band Zyklon? Because I remember you used to go by Anubis Zyklon, and that was like when I met you in 2002, so that's how long we've known each other. Yeah, God! I was on a... I was, 18 years! I was on a, a click... Uh, yeah, I, I was really on a kick with that band early on with World of Worms uh, because it featured Samoth and Emperor and stuff like that, so at the time, um, I really liked them, but I, 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 I was always kind of like lukewarm to even the first and second albums like they ended up changing I think one of the members maybe the vocalist I think on the second record or something like that but uh, I mean they're a decent band but they, were, they weren't one that I really loved at, at first like as far as the record's concerned so but yeah it's a good call I did go by that name for the, the yeah when I first met you that was like your online handle for the longest time and used to trigger people because it was like stuff <laughs> Seriously, I'd use that almost every form I go to. Like, if I went outside of a music form and used it, people were like, what are you, fucking Nazi? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm like, no, dick. <laughs> it's a fucking band name. <laughs> I understand what Zyklon is, obviously, but uh, people just try to make more shit than they really need to. But Is there anything that you can think of from the 80s that... I know the 80s has a very specific sound, as does the 60s and the 70s, the 90s, etc. But for me, I feel like a lot of 80s music sounds more dated than 70s music. And I feel like a lot of times they were being really progressive and trying to, like, you know, mess with synth synthesizers and get... Which never really kind of took off. It just, it kind of went the opposite way where they were more into, like... I mean, think about the 90s, like... Um, Tori Amos and Mazzy Star and like you're the, saying the seventies were more synthesized. No, no, 80s? the eighties. Yeah, eighties. The eighties were more and and like the eighties just sounds more dated to me than the seventies does for because you know in the eighties everything was like all like new wave and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be ever it's the future. Which reminds me, you need to check out that Gary Newman doc. That's I, I haven't seen. Okay, I gotta it's see that. Time, okay, so. but that's what I mean, like. I feel like the 80s was its, it's like this little cosmos of its own. It was very different, as every decade is, but I could almost see like the 70s bleeding into the 90s. A lot of the fashion came, you know, came back, the, the bell bottoms and stuff. Uh -huh. The, um, a lot of the music played a lot off of the 70s music. It's the 80s just stuck out so much. I can see that because towards the end of the 70s when the punk movement started grabbing hold, you know, that was bands like Nirvana and those other ones that started like latching on to the Melvins mm -hmm. and the Ramones and stuff like that. So it makes sense. And even disco. Remember how popular quote unquote club music was in the 90s? I listened to it. They had those club mix CDs. It's just like disco. It just kept going on and on and on and on. The 70s and the 90s were almost like mirror images of themselves. The 80s and the early 2000s were not at all. The 80s is just its own thing, which makes it special. But 
when you hear some of the music, you're like, mm, <laughs> it's a little dated. It's a little, I mean, do you ever listen to anything from the 80s and you say to yourself, like, yeah, I've, I, I was happy about that at that time, but it's just, it's just not as, I don't want to say not as good, but it's just, because there were a lot of great things that came out in the 80s, I mean. Yeah, I don't really have too many problems with the 80s, like, nothing to me. I mean, you can, I can say it sounds dated just because over time, like, if I go back and listen to a hair metal hair rock band or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, well, it's dated, but I still enjoy the shit mm -hmm. out of it because I grew up with that. 70s, same thing, only because I was a little kid, and then you got, you know, as far as classic rock is concerned, you hear it a lot on, on Everything. radio, right, so 80s, like, right now, it's almost in some ways being considered classic rock with the Guns N' Roses they play a lot, but uh, outside of that, you had the pop stuff from guys like Gary Newman, again, who have spanned across decades now. Uh, doing a little bit of everything, but if anything really sounds dated, more dated to me, it's actually the 90s. You think the 90s? Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just because I kind of grew out of that phase really fast. Like, from 90 to 94, like, I was really into all the internal stuff. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nines and Nails, Nirvana. All that stuff that hit up right away, but then, like, as shit was getting on, and this is also a period of time when metal was kind of quiet and dormant, and I was, like, desperately trying to... Find new things. Right, and I eventually I found Strapping Young Land in the late 90s, so... Well, alternative rock and new metal kind of really... Well, they blended. Yeah, they blended, and they, they about, picked up steam around 97. Well, well, actually, yeah, that's cause yeah, because 96, 97, because... Corn really started to kick in at that point. Limp Bizkit, Deftones, all them were taking it from making it more aggressive. Uh, they were still kind of mixing new metal with alternative rock and whatnot, so it, it makes sense. Um, but that, but that was really the thing. Like once I discovered Corn and all those other ones, like alternative rock really became dead at that point. I mean, I followed them. But so many of those, so many, so many of those alternate rock bands just were having issues. Like the only ones, obviously Kurt Cobain going being gone, that dealt with that. So then you had the Foo Fighters, which credit to Grohl, but like they were never one of my more favorite bands to follow. I just I like certain songs. That's how I feel about them. But Soundgarden was able to keep going because they ended up doing Super Unknown, which was awesome. Yeah, and then. Um, Nine Inch Nails, they kind of faded off. Like, I liked the first couple records. Um, Pearl Jam, same thing. Like, it, Pearl Jam after 10, I just, you know, they had some songs. You really song. didn't like Vitology? I liked a couple songs, but nothing matches 10 for me. Nothing. Like, they, that was their unicorn for me. And uh, Smashing Cummins, they were staying alive for a while. And then, of course, when they started losing members, that sort of dissolved. So. What was left was all the new metal stuff that was coming out, and then, you know, of course, when metal started kind of picking back up, that's what I was getting into, so. It's really interesting to see the ebb and flow of music, how, I mean, disco was really a 
short period of time, but when you think of disco, you think it happened like the entire 70s. Mm-hmm. It really didn't. It really happened yeah, it from like, like 77 years. to yeah. 80. Yeah. And it's it, it's amazing how much came out during those three years. And I think that's one of the things, like as much as revered as the grunge period is, it didn't have the lasting effect that, say, the hair metal from hair rock from the eighties, because that lasted almost an entire decade. And every stripper in the United States <laughs> uses, you know, pour some sugar on me as their pole dance. So, I mean, yeah. it's it just it fascinates me when you think of music and and that's the thing about like you think about some of those grunge bands like once that music started to kind of fade out like you think of Rob Zombie he went from White Zombie to a solo project and then like as that started fading a little bit he got into directing film so he was able to kind of like adapt to what was to a new career right and And that's amazing he was still putting out records but it wasn't really as standing out like his early stuff was with White Zombie and his, his early zombie records so I mean now we have to talk about Ozzy because look at how he has just taken his career from you know Black Sabbath to his his own solo career and then Ozfest which he one year he's Ozzy one year it's Black Sabbath it, it was it's just phenomenal and that is the type of thing that as fans that we 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 adore we like seeing that you know versatility but then you know you think of all those one-hit wonders from the 80s and the 90s i mean come on barbie girl mm-hmm. what is barb i don't even you know you know everybody knows that song mm. i'm a barbie girl thong song yeah the thong- well cisco was pretty popular in R&B, but the thong song was like a crossover into pop and it was everywhere. That's probably about as relevant as uh, Love It. Yeah. So, So, like, music, the beautiful thing about it is we can keep it forever. I mean, we've got Elvis. We've got, you know, Patsy Cline. Well, the thing is, like, with metal and rock, with the, the more mainstream stuff, you can always find it generally on mainstream radio but metal itself has always been underground like it's never really gonna be at the forefront like you're gonna find a few bands here and there the ones that generally we don't listen to Avenged Sevenfold and Bullet For My Valentine those guys and all that kind of stuff but the more extreme stuff that we like and are used to it's like you're just never gonna see that at the forefront making a lot of money so on some levels, that's good. Uh, not really so much for them because they're not making a lot of money from it. But then again, but they're always able to get it. That's the beautiful thing about yeah, it lasts music. It's everywhere. there for you all the time. It's not I gonna mean, be a fade or a fad. It's just gonna. I mean, you you saw me the other day while we were redecorating the living room. I'm putting on Elton John, and then I put on some Wormwitch. It was. Yeah. It's just wonderful because people can't handle our diversity <laughs> and versatility of music. Always go from Confess to fucking Kelly Clarkson to Lament Cityscape. Go figure. I know, right? I mean, 
They're probably going to crucify us for that Clarkson song. I don't care. <laughs> Listen to Kelly Clarkson. Suck it! This is our show. Fuck you all. Kelly Clarkson is a beautiful soul. And if you want to see... Actually, I really can't complain because when I did that No Moss interview, fucking Henry had me play fucking the Rickroll song, so... Never got... That's an 80s song. Right. I mean, like, but... So, so, I mean, you get a little bit of everything on this show as it is. I try to keep it as close as possible to what we're doing. And I think we're okay with that. I'm okay with that. But this is my final thought about the music. Music stays with you. And music will give you that nice nostalgic feeling. And even if it is dated like I think some of the 80s is, I'll pop on any 80s album and I'll still feel good about life. And with that... Brand new God Dethroned. I love God Dethroned. Spirit of Beelzebub. Here we go. Yeah.
What's up? This is Alan from Without Warning. Eric from Without Warning. Jason from Without Warning. You're listening to the Hordes of Chaos. On MetalTavern.com. Alright. Back again. DJ Neku here. And DJ Nibis. And you, uh... Wanted some things to add. Yeah, so while we were listening to our music block, I was like, oh my god, I forgot about one band that I used to absolutely be obsessed with, and then now I'm like, eh. So (laughs) when I was younger, I was obsessed with the Grateful Dead, and mostly because of... Thankfully, I was never obsessed with them. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it was about those stupid fucking bears, and then, you know, I see the bears stickers on people's cars, and I'm like, oh, those are so cute, and then I figure out it's, it's part of the Grateful Dead, and I'm like, oh, so now I'm obsessed with the Grateful Dead, and... I don't even know if I really liked the Grateful Dead when I was, like, 18, but I forced myself to like the Grateful Dead because of those little bears. So I just wanted to add that in. We're we're good that you're no longer into them. I'm just I've tried again and it doesn't it just doesn't resonate the way that it did and you know It just never clicked with me personally. I just like fish. Yeah, yeah like with, it, yeah. It, it that it's your fish or Grateful Dead, they all have that like their little following. Yeah, I, I well, Grateful Dead have like a huge following. Like it's really weird, but you know it is what it is. It's kind of like uh, even my grandparents. Yeah, like the Grateful Dead. All right, so our remaining topic here that we want to talk about was uh, there was a movie in 1987 that one you, of my favorite. Yeah. That's one of the movies we talked about. Beyond favorite. I would watch this shit on repeat. I saw it in a theater. I was only seven. I know. I wasn't. I was 17. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so apparently Warner Brothers uh, is planning on rebooting or... Well, it's going to be a reboot, but they're going to do Lost Boys, and I don't know if it's going to be an actual movie or a TV series. The impression I get, because it's for the CW, i got a feeling it's going to be a series because they're talking about a pilot and everything else, so... I just don't know why on the CW because it was kind of an 80s horror flick. It was not bloody, but it was awesome, and also had my guy in it. Not Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, really? Edward Herman. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm obsessed with Gilmore Girls. The monster. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the movie was incredibly great. Uh, I know that they did, like, one or two sequels, and I know that Feldman appeared in one of them. I remember seeing some of it. But, uh, strangely enough, Feldman's going to be dropping a bomb with a a documentary soon for him and Feldman, or uh, Haim, because of some of the uh, abuse claims that they have. But we'll get to that another time. But... Anyway, this TV show is from the director, Rob Thomas, who does Veronica Mars and iZombie. Oh, no. It's not going to be good. Well, I can't say that because Gilmore Girls was on the CW, so it might be good. Right. Well, for me, like, I am leaning towards it not being just because, like, I don't... I I get it that the Lost Boys movie has, like, a bit of campiness to it, but... I feel like if it was on a streaming service, it would be better. 
Right. Whenever you get to like regular TV, it's things get watered down a lot, and they also get get what I call the uh, the teeny bopper treatment because not even the teeny bopper treatment. They get like the corporate treatment. No, it's teeny bopper. It's all directed and aimed at a younger audience. So like, it's going to turn out to be like oh, Pretty Little so Liars or some old. shit. Yeah, I am old, but I know what I like too, and I hate when they fuck shit up. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm not really expecting much from this. I mean, I could be surprised. I just I don't really think. I mean, I, I could be surprised. I mean, Supernatural, even though I didn't really... We didn't get into it until Netflix. Well, no, I had watched, like, the first couple episodes when it first came out. This is following Buffy. Oh, that's right. It was, They would put it on behind Buffy. And I was kind of looking for something new, and then, I, but I think I caught it, like, midway through the first season. I'm kind of, like, lost of what was going on, so I didn't stick with it, but... When it did come to Netflix, you know, I was checking out Supernatural more, and obviously we became a bigger fans of it at that point. I am fans of two. So, but I, I, I thought this was an interesting topic, because I know Lost Boys is one of your favorite movies ever, so what, like, you've already expressed some of your feelings on it, but does this bother you? Does it... I have, I, I have my optimist side and my pessimist side. My optimist side optimist side says it could be really cute and witty like Gilmore Girls and it could be great like Buffy. Yeah, I think. But then my pessimist side is like Lost Boys was a little bit dark and mm. it had some adult. Join us. Michael. Yeah, join us, Michael. You're drinking blood. So I, I would like them to dig deeper into the dark side if you do do you know what i mean like i'd rather them well it doesn't have to, it's not gonna be like that because it's on radio but TV. that's what but, i mean uh, like if i if, think you're right about the one thing about the choices for actors and actresses that are going to be in it because one thing that makes the lost boys work obviously keep yourself in but you have feldman and Haim who are as a duo throughout that period of time in movies were just brilliant. Like, they really worked Now, well is this going to be an actual reboot? Like, they're going to pretend like it's still happening in Santa Clara and... Or yeah. is it going to be more like The Lost Boys happening now in 2020? Well, from what they're saying here is the first iteration was set to be an anthology series running over seven seasons with each season covering a different decade with a new setting. New human characters and new antagonists. So it looks like so it's, it's going to be like American Horror Story, right? It's going to play out like that, or like yeah, exactly like American Horror Story, actually. Uh, so that would be interesting. You know, I'm pretty much down with that. Now the question is, are they going to use the same? Well, no, they but see, American Horror Story was on FX, and they they're like, we will say fuck on FX if it's after nine, and they'll say parental right. advisor. Time like, slot's important. There. Yeah, CW does not. So it just depends. Um, if it's done right, it can come out pretty well. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, are we worried that the vampire trend is starting to get overdone and played out? Or Probably. Or do you think that they can do it and still give 
the Lost Boys the proper respect that it deserves. Like, I think I think Lost Boys will probably do well early because just name alone and the nostalgia. I mean, like, I had it on VHS. Like you, you had I know that like the Vampire Diaries and the fucking Twilight. Well, I'm trying to think of all the the shows that we're doing because I was watching some of them. The uh, the Eternals, not the Eternals, it's something else. It was like a side thing from the Vampire Diaries, and I kind of got into it for a couple seasons, and then, like normal, they start killing off characters I like, and I just end up losing interest, because it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, so, it's, it's like, I don't know if it's really the fault of the actors or actresses that end up, like, moving on, because they don't want to do those thing anymore, or... And that happens a lot, like, in, in, in good shows. Or if it's the scripts, because, like... Whatever happens there, like, if it's a script issue, then they're stupid as fuck. I just, I hate it. But a lot of times it's generally the It's the act, actors right. get a, a better gig or they're involved in movies. I mean, like, look at, um, look at Chris Pratt in uh, Parks and Rec. He was in Parks and Rec for a few years before he became Star-Lord. And in that he wanted to keep his gig in Parks and Rec because he was a beloved character on that show and he is he's funny hysterical but you you can tell when he's filming the um the first uh guardians of the galaxy because he's hardly in the show he's away in england working with a client so i mean yeah i mean it happened with uh sons of anarchy like i've never watched that it has some really good stuff in it. You got some good actors and actresses, but there's there was a character in it that I was really liking and thought was important to the whole thing. And then, like, one day, one it episode... just blew the whole thing out. Yeah, it just ended everything. And I'm like, okay, I'm no longer interested. So then what I did was, because I'm an asshole, instead of watching the rest of it at that point, I just went straight to the end, like the last couple episodes. Just, <laughs> just to see how it ended in general, you know, so... That's the thing. Like, I just you you kind of lose me when you start losing characters. And I think if you really had to do it, um, because the actor doesn't want to be there, get another actor to play the part. Like, it, but see, people have done that in the past with other it, it, sitcoms and stuff, and people get pissed off. Except if you're Betty White, uh, <gasps> she can do it. She knew any character, right? So, but. but <laughs> with the with the Lost Boys, I kind of like twinsies. The, twinsies, I kind of like the idea that they're throwing that they're gonna every every season is gonna be a different decade. It's gonna be maybe a sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. They might well. They might even just go. They might go back. Right. They might. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of fun. You can get into the more like old school vampire seductive kind of you know dracula style their origins yeah kind of like dracula i don't think you sat and watched that though. i haven't watched that yet no yeah. sorry so you gotta get on that i'll time. get on that too but that's what i mean like i have great love for the movie i have my optimist side and my pessimist Optimus Prime side I'm, I'm and Megatron side. I, Optimist Prime and Negatron. My Optimist Prime says if CW puts it on at 9.30 or 10 o'clock... It's got possibility. It's got possibility. My Negatron side says if there's bad writers and they're trying to make it to... Um, 
I, I, I hate saying Twilight, but you, you know what I mean. If they're trying to make it too... Watered down. Cute and watered down where vampires are your friends. Because even though in The Lost Boys, the vampires were your friends, kind of, they were also seductive. And they were trying to lure Michael away from his family. You know. It was very, uh... Yeah, it was still very dark and scary. And, you know, it had its comedic moments, obviously. But, you know, it wasn't like these vampires were truly lost boys. And they, you know... For anyone that's ever watched it, like, between the boys and their master, like, it's it's a world difference of how each one approached their life as a vampire. Mm -hmm. So... So that's the thing, like, you know, if they stay with course with that, then it makes sense. If they start deviating too much and making it a little bit too much romance and all this other garbage. Or who's an original and who is not? The originals, that's what it was called. Oh, sorry. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, that was the spinoff of Vampire Diaries, the original. So, and it had a good concept and some good acting, but again, character that I like, no longer there, and just kind of ruins it, so... <laughs> That happens to you a lot. Yeah, I know. Well, and that wasn't... Like, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but people said the same shit. Not so much about characters dying, but just how it plays out. Like, some of these companies aren't thinking shit through, so... Chuck, you know, I can go go through about 100 different things. Chuck is good up until the last season. Right. All right. We're going to start blasting through some more music. Blasting! And we'll be back. Here's some new for Goris.
Monroe Black from Salem's Lot. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
Alright! Save your scan and document. DJ Nubis. DJ Neko. Getting ready to close out another edition of the Hordes of Chaos here. Hope you all enjoyed it. And as usual, please, if you have any comments or feedback. Or if you have any ideas. Yes. We love to hear from our fans. All eight of you. Yeah, we have more than that. Eighteen. Less than that. <laughs> it could vary from episode to episode, you know. All depends. We love to hear feedback, and we want to hear questions, so please leave us messages on the Metal Tavern Radio Facebook page. Or even on the podcast page. It has a comment section there as well, so... If you got any topics you'd like us to talk about, or just any th- movies in general, whatever music you want us to play, we will do that. We will look into it. Anything. I mean, we are. We love. We love to include our fans. Yes, we like to be all with you all, one big happy family. And I feel like we are one big happy family because. Every time we put something out, somebody has something nice to say, and that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we have the uh, Metal Tavern Radio Forum, so if you guys want to go there and talk with some of the other folks who have uh, been around for a while and checking out the podcast and whatnot, feel free to do that as well. So, got one track left for you. It's from a band called Grin. It's called Translucent Blades. And we will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye, bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's my-